I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Unique Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I'm the host. Today's episode is a solo episode with just me, which sometimes I love, and sometimes I feel crazy when I do these because, again, it just feels like I'm ranting to myself. But here we are. I'm going to rant to myself. (laughs) Not really rant. We're going to be talking about something specific, and hopefully you guys will get something out of it. Up top, quickly, if you're new or newer to the podcast, I like to remind everybody every week that although I'm a therapist and although the podcast is called You Need Therapy, this is not a substitute for therapy or replacement. However, my hope is that no matter what, it can help you, whether it's in your own therapy process or help you get into therapy, things like that. This can still be a tool and something that, I'm going to use this word again, is helpful. (laughs) So, this week, I, well, I've been watching it for a while, but this week I specifically was watching Only Murders in the Building. And first of all, if you haven't watched this, I highly recommend it. I, for some reason, like was trying to avoid watching it. I just didn't think it looked very good, but it's so good. And I just love the relationship that the three main characters have. And it's just sweet and it's keeps you interested at the same time. It's like wholesome, even though it's about murders. <laughs> this is not a tv review podcast but i recommend that show and the point of me bringing that up is because (laughs) i was watching this episode the other night and one of the characters had this monologue where she was talking about the lies that we tell ourselves and i try to look up the monologue so i could read some of it but i couldn't find it and i accidentally oh my gosh so frustrated by this but as I was looking it up I was like typing in the person's name and then quotes by them and I was reading quotes and then I accidentally spoiled the ending for myself so that's just a lesson that I've learned today is do not google quotes from a show that you don't know the ending of because you might accidentally read something that sets you up to be very sad although I since have watched the ending of it and it still surprised me. I still 
like I, I knew it was going to happen, but I still didn't, I had a hard time not being surprised, <laughs> which is strange. Anyway, like I said, I was watching it and she was talking about the lies that we tell ourselves and it got me thinking because we haven't talked about that directly. And I think it's about time. We've talked about manipulation by others and gaslighting and when others lie to us. And we've talked about defense mechanisms more broadly. A lie could be a defense mechanism, denial of defense mechanism. But we haven't really sat down to talk about the lies that we're actually perpetually telling ourselves like undercover. And sometimes we don't even know we're lying because we're so good at lying about it. Now, There are a couple angles that I thought I could go here and it kind of for a second I was like, oh, how am I going to make this an episode? Because we could talk about the lies that we tell to feel better about ourselves, the lies we tell in order to avoid parts of our lives that are hard, the lies we tell in order to stay in denial about certain situations, the lies we tell to remain victims. I mean, the list I could keep going. So what I'm not going to do is separate all this out. We lie to ourselves for a bunch of different reasons at different times, and we do it in different ways. And when you think about lying, it's kind of automatically, I mean, not kind of, like it automatically comes up as this bad thing we shouldn't do, right? It seems so obvious to the point where I'm like, why am I even saying this (laughs) at the same time? I think that lying is not a good option. It seems like that's not what we should do. And this is not going to be what I'm saying, just want to make sure that this is not going to be giving permission to just go out and lie about whatever you want. But honesty, in my humble opinion, isn't always the best policy. There's a lot more nuance to that. Sometimes in order to maintain safety, we need to lie. In order to maintain our own privacy, we need to lie. In order to get what we need, sometimes we need to lie. And I'm not going to categorize lying as all bad or all good today, because what therapy loves to do continuously is bring up the messy gray area of life that makes you go, huh, what? At the same time, it's offering you freedom to make your own decisions. And at the same time, that freedom creates this like, what? This doesn't make any sense. The grayness. And people like to fit things in boxes. People like things that can be easily organized and put in the right place. Good, bad, right, wrong. Therapy, however, often unlocks us from that way of thinking. And while it's nice to be able to own the judgment in our own story, it's nice to have that autonomy. It's also really scary because it comes with a lot of responsibility, a lot of difficult and uncomfortable feelings. And, you know, we don't really love that. I don't really love that. Now, I'm getting on a tangent, but my point is, And what I just said is that we all lie for different reasons. Some reasons suck and some reasons are super valid and can be justified. And so what I'm not going to do is be the teller of what is right or wrong for you. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a list of common lies that we might tell ourselves at times, why we tell them, like what they might give us, if they're actually helping us and if they're actually hurting us. And you can be the judge of what fits and what works in your life or where you are and what you need in it right now. These won't all apply to you because they can be opposite sides of the spectrum sometimes. But chances are you know someone who each one of the lies that I've chosen today applies to. So with that, they basically are all relevant to everybody. (laughs) Everything I'm about to say is relevant to everybody that's listening in the world and the people that are not listening. I mean... I think. 
but I'm also being sarcastic. Okay, so I came up with a list of six common lies that we tell ourselves. Now, this is not an all-encompassing list. We don't have time for that. But I just, I made a big list and then I picked six of my favorite ones that I want, not favorite, like I love to tell them, but favorite ones out of that list that I want to talk about. So this is like a starting point, a jumping off point. These I hope will help you dig into the lies that you tell yourselves outside of the ones I'm going to mention. So let's get into it and start with number one. So I combined this. So it is a combination of if I ignore it, it will go away and I'm okay. These lies remind me of how people tell you to ignore a child's attention seeking behavior and like hope hoping that they will stop like just ignore them they'll stop they're just seeking attention and I don't often agree with this strategy because often a child is seeking attention because there's a need that needs to be tended to and that can be applied to the things in your life that you're ignoring in hopes that they will also go away too I used to do this with injuries on and honestly I feel like I still do this with some injuries like if I hurt something, if I hurt myself, whether I was just like walking and tripped or I hurt myself running or exercising or something like that, I would just go on business as usual in hopes that whatever it was would just magically heal itself. And this might have worked better when I was like 15 rather than now I'm in my 30s. I don't have the luxury as much as I used to be able to do that. But things rarely just like went away when I hurt myself. And this also brings me back to One of my favorite parts in the book, maybe you should talk to someone, Lori Gottlieb, the author, wrote, but Wendell, who, Mrs. Cat, was her therapist, back to the quote, but Wendell told me that by diminishing my problems, I was judging myself and everyone else whose problems I had placed lower down on the hierarchy of pain. You can't get through your pain by diminishing it, he reminded me. You get through your pain by accepting it and figuring out what to do with it. You can't change what you're denying or minimizing. And, of course, often what seem like trivial worries are manifestations of deeper ones. And that's the end of the quote. The thing about like avoidance and ignoring things is I think a lot of times it seems like a really simple way of coping by choosing not to cope, right? Like I'm coping by not having to cope with this. I'm dealing with this by not dealing with it. But it often perpetuates the thing you're avoiding. Like... Your avoidance perpetuates whatever it is that you're avoiding. Pretending that you aren't in some kind of pain doesn't make the pain go away. It just turns that pain into suffering. Pretending I didn't sprain my ankle doesn't heal my ankle. What it does is it creates a longer road for recovery when I decide to take care of myself. And when it comes down to it, I think that oftentimes we might need to tell this lie until we are ready to deal with things, until we have the space and the energy and the whatever it is that we need in order to actually face whatever this is that we're ignoring or we're avoiding and telling ourselves that we're okay about. But eventually we're going to have to come back to it. And that's really the moral of the story is we can use this lie as much as we want. And we're going to have to continue to use the lie forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever until we stop using the lie because we're going to have to eventually come back to it. Yeah. Okay. So let's move to lie number two. I have a feeling a lot of you guys are going to be like, that is me. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. 
the iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. The lie is, I have to be perfect. This can show up in a multitude of ways. I have to be perfect to be loved, to be accepted, to be seen, to matter, to make a difference, etc. That, that list can also go on and on and on. And one of the most interesting parts of this lie is that there's no way to objectively measure perfection of a human being. It's just like not a thing. We can't do that. So when we say this, really, it means something else because perfection in a human being is not a thing. So when we say this, we're actually meaning something else that we're not saying. I have to measure up to someone else's expectations. I can't make mistakes. I have to have all the answers that others deem acceptable and right. I have to be perfect in somebody else's eyes means something other than just I have to be perfect. This can do a couple of things for us. It it pushes us to strive for more often. It can motivate us to work hard. It can also do the opposite. If one operates out of the idea that they never will measure up, then what's the point, right? Why try if I know it's going to end up in a loss? Operate under the lie, I have to be perfect, can also send us into the lie that we can control our outcomes completely. It helps us develop this false sense of control that can easily bring us into self-loathing when things don't turn out as we plan. Well, I can't be perfect, so now I'm worthless. People try really, really hard not to acknowledge that you can do everything, in quotes, right, and things will still not go as planned. It doesn't mean that you didn't do things right. 
And we refuse to acknowledge this. We refuse to acknowledge that even when things don't go the way that we planned, we can still end up with good results. Because once we accept reality, a lot more options open up. And if we can't accept the idea that we can do things correctly and it not go the way that it planned, and it doesn't mean that we're just these big mess ups, we can accept that we open up a lot more options. And I was talking to Stacy, who is a therapist that works at my practice, and we talked about something really similar to this. She said to me, there are things that I can't control. I can't control what the traffic is going to be like. I can't control if I'm going to get a flat tire on the way to work, things like that. So when I wake up with this idea that I have to get my Starbucks on the way to work or my day is going to be ruined, I set myself up for failure. Maybe Starbucks is closed or they're out of what I need or I end up not having the time because of that flat tire or because of the traffic or because of the weather, whatever. I can be pissed and decide that my day will be horrible or I can accept that it didn't work out how I planned and then see all the other ways that I can get caffeine today. I can text a client and say, hey, I'm five minutes late. I'm going to run down the street to the coffee shop by our office. I can look in the fridge and see that there's a box of Celsius in there and say, oh, here, I can have this instead of coffee. I can text you and ask if you have time to make a stop on your way to the office. But I can't do any of those if I've already decided there's only one way to be satisfied, and that is to get my Starbucks on the way to work or everything is going to go to shit. And I really liked that kind of, I mean, I don't know that it's a metaphor because it's a true story, but I really liked that in context of what we're talking about here of like, I have to be perfect, but also we can put this line, things have to go perfectly for them to go well, or things have to go perfectly for them to go right, or things have to go perfectly for things to work out. And that's just not true. Again, we do this and we tell this lie for many different reasons, and What I see over and over is it holds us back because even if it is this perfection, a motivator to work harder, then it sets us up to like never be satisfied because again, this is an elusive thing. Now, number three, I combined two lies with this one as well because I just felt like they fit. So number three is that's just who I am combined with people never change. Now, here is the thing Sometimes this is not a lie. Sometimes people don't change and often people don't change. And I do not believe in holding on hope for relationships and that you can change people or people will change because often that's what keeps us in a cycle of unhealthy relationships. However, at the same time, often people don't change because of the lie that we tell ourselves. That's just who I am, which means you'll always be that way and there's nothing you can do about it. And sure, We're all born with certain temperaments that play a huge role in the development of our personalities. And also we have the ability to make choices and respond and learn and experiment and try. We have the ability to do things differently if we choose. And when people say that's just who I am, I often wonder, how do you know that? Because a lot of times as we grow up, we end up morphing ourselves into the versions that we are expected to be or the versions that we think will lead us closer to getting it is that what we're looking for speaking of the lie we just talked about that so a huge part in really knowing yourself is figuring out how to really unknow the limiting stories you've told yourself about who you are and who you should be so maybe that's not just who you are maybe that's who you thought you had to be or who you were taught to be we are always 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 allowed to change our minds with new information we get to make new choices again and again and again and again there's not like an end point for that 
And since we are always getting new information, you have the opportunity to evolve continuously. It's one of my favorite parts of life. Honestly, I get to change when I want. When I see that it makes sense to not be the same that I once was, I get to make that choice. Now, it can be really hard. And what can be really hard about this is we can't have change without loss, which is why so often people say they want to change, but then they don't and they keep doing the same thing is because when you make a change, you're automatically going to lose something. And if we are really trying to avoid loss, we're going to stay in this lie of that's just who I am. I can't change. Here's the thing. I personally believe I don't get to use the line that's just who I am to excuse poor behavior or an inability to be adaptable if I allow myself to evolve. If I'm saying that's just who I am, if I'm using that line, that the truth is I don't want to be adaptable. I'm saying I don't want to be held accountable. I don't want to face what it is that I may have done to cause harm to others because I don't want to make those changes and face that loss and then face those feelings. It's that whole idea of when someone says, I'm just honest, I tell it like it is. When they really are making an excuse for being mean or unkind and not choosing to take other people's feelings into consideration. And again, like I said, and, and like a lot of these lies that we're talking about, sometimes they might be true. Like sometimes it, it, that's just who I am. There might be an innate part of you. However, I'm really just asking you guys to like dig in. When I say that, am I using that as an excuse to avoid something? Am I using that as an excuse to not feel sorry or to not have a hard conversation or not to feel that guilt so then I tell myself I need to have that conversation or is it real? Now, you might be the only one that's really truthfully allowed and able to make that decision. So we're going to move to number four. I'm too young or I'm too old. This one, I believe, is an excuse to stay comfortable while we trick ourselves into thinking it's keeping us safe. Now, what it really does a lot of times is create deep longings that never get fulfilled. Again, sometimes this is true. Sometimes we're too old or we're too young, but often we aren't. We're just really, really afraid. This keeps us from trying and forces us to stay in the dream phase for way, way too long, sometimes literally forever. This can sound a lot of different ways. I'm too old to go back to school. I'm too old to get on a dating app. I'm too old to start a new hobby. I'm too old to leave this relationship and start a new one. All of that. I'm too young to be taken seriously. I'm too young to start planning for whatever it is. I'm too young to ask for what I want. I'm too young to have expectations. These are excuses and truly things might be harder for you because of where you are in life and age, all of that, but it doesn't mean that they are impossible. And if you don't want to do hard things, I guess that's okay if you're choosing that. And with that, who you're going to be disappointing the most is going to be yourself. We can't redo life. And I know we know that this is not like a light bulb moment for you guys as I say that, but I think sometimes we live life thinking that we're going to get a second shot. We fantasize about what could have been if we would have taken a chance back then and it doesn't change a thing. Like my lawyer told me, which some of you guys might know that story, but I had the situation and I did something before I processed and figured out what I needed to do. And I was talking to a, a lawyer about it and kind of like kicking myself Again, this wasn't like a, I wasn't like arrested, <laughs> but I was kicking myself for just a decision that I made. And she said to me, which was really helpful in the moment, we can't go back and change what happened. We can only make a plan on how we want to move forward. And I really needed to hear that because the truth is that at some point in our lives, we have to let go of the fantasy that we can create a better past and live into the idea 
of creating a better right now. And to do that, we have to be honest about if we really are too old, is that really impossible? Or are we really just scared and we need some help and some support? All right, number five. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. All right, number five, I don't have any regrets. I almost didn't put this one in there and I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because I think depending on how you're looking at this, it can be true for a lot of people. And there are people who say this as a means to avoid the parts of their life that have been hard or have hurt people, including themselves. There are a lot of things in my life that if I could, I would go back and do differently. I 100% would. Now, that isn't possible. I mean, I was just talking about how my lawyer said, like, we can't go back, so there's no use in dwelling on it. Let's look at how how we can do things differently now. However, if I was given the option, I would occasionally ask for a redo. So it would be a lie to say I have no regrets. If I was given an option in that situation that I was telling you about with that I had the lawyer for, if I had an option, I would go back and redo the thing. Again, I couldn't, so I had to make a plan for the now, I'm not going to lie to myself and say I didn't regret that. I do. So I'm grateful for the lesson. I learned something about patience, about like consultations and, you know, 
calming myself down <laughs> in certain situations. I'm grateful for that lesson and I totally wish I didn't have to learn that one and especially in that way. This sentence is so black and white, like I have no regrets. When I say I have no regrets, that means none, zero. There are things that I royally have messed up on that have given me a huge gift in the cleanup process. This is important. So there's that. And then there's also things that I can't gather enough benefit from to make whatever it is I do dwindle on the regret scale. Like there isn't, the benefit didn't outweigh the ick I feel. So yeah, some things I might be both regretful and grateful for, and some things I might just be like, ugh, regretful. The reason I added this one to the list, and I know I said I wouldn't talk about this one a lot, and I guess I am, but the reason I added this one to the list is because often I see people using this lie because either pride is getting in the way or they think they should feel this way. When in reality, we can't make ourselves feel in ways we don't feel we can't force our feelings. If we could do that, man, that would be awesome and therapy would be a whole different situation. What I want people to know is it's okay to regret a decision. Sometimes pure regret is important to just let us know we don't want to do that again. The regret helps us learn the lesson. If I didn't regret what I did, then I would never sit here and process what it is that I learned and figure out the lesson. I would just keep on going with my life. And the last thing I'm I want to say here, and I think I've said this in not so many words, is that this lie really, and unpeeling the truth from it, really hammers in on the both and, right? Having two things that conflict and don't really make sense sitting together, but at the same time, they exist together. I regret this and I'm grateful for the lesson or where it brought me. It's confusing, but this is what I meant when therapy opens up space for freedom to really feel authentic rather than feel what we think is right. And sometimes the authenticity is confusing because we are just used to doing what is right or what we're told or going with the status quo or what the group is doing. And well, oh, this makes sense to not regret things. So I'm just going to not regret things. But like sometimes things make sense, but that's not how we feel. Logic and emotions don't always match up. Which brings us to the last one we're going to talk about today. And that is what I do doesn't matter. It is impossible for this to be true because all of our lives are built off of the very small decisions we make every day. This is also an easy lie to latch onto because as much as it feels icky, it can also feel soothing like some of the other lies we've talked about. If I don't matter, then when I fail, who cares? When I embarrass myself, who cares? When I don't show up to the party because I'm too tired to get up or too nervous to go alone, no one will care. So sometimes it feels nice. If I don't matter or if what I do doesn't matter, I don't really have to take risks or do things that I don't want to, or I don't have to care about risks because nobody cares. This lie can keep us from trying and it can keep us from dreaming. And it also can just keep us from operating outside of the current norms. It also can keep us from a lot of safety that when we do think we matter, we take ourselves more seriously and we take the risks that we do choose to take more seriously. And many of you guys will recognize this quote I'm about to share because it's one of my favorites and I feel like I talk about it a lot, but it's one by Margaret Mead. And she said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, they're the only ones that ever have. And I think that's so important because the truth is most big transformations come from the beginnings of tiny little baby steps. A couple people start a movement. 
it takes one person to have an idea that then that shares that idea with other people and then that spreads. Again, most of our big transformations come from a lot of baby steps we take along the way. And this speaks to transformations within ourselves, to transformations within the greater good, policy changes, relationship development, all of the things. And because something doesn't feel like it matters now doesn't mean that it doesn't matter and won't continue to matter. Just because you're a hummingbird and not a jackhammer, it doesn't mean that you don't have a special or important role in the world. And if you didn't catch that reference, I'm referring to uh, a talk by Elizabeth Gilbert that I actually talked about a long time ago on the podcast in the episode about passion and curiosity. And in her talk, she said, and I'm basically quoting her here, that the world is divided into two types of people. There are the hummingbirds and there are the jackhammers. And Elizabeth said that she identifies in the jackhammer category, which is defined by her as someone who becomes consumed by their passion. And she said, we don't look up and we don't veer and we're just focused on that until the end of time. It's efficient. You get a lot done, but we tend to be obsessive and fundamentalists and sometimes a little difficult and loud. And then she said, there's the hummingbird, the colorful bird that floats around. Hummingbirds spend their lives doing it very differently. They move from tree to tree, from flower to flower, to field to field, trying this and trying that. She then explained, while hummingbirds might feel anxious about not immediately finding their passion, that they really don't need to feel pressure to change. They create incredibly rich, complex lives for themselves, and they also end up cross-pollinating. This is the service you do if you're a hummingbird person. She said, you bring an idea from here to over here where you learn something else and you weave it in and then you take it here to the next thing you do. Your perspective ends up keeping the entire culture aerated and mixed up and open and new. And I just feel like that's really important to come back to continuously. Just because something doesn't feel big and and like you're being paid attention to right now all the time and there's a big splash around what it is that's happening in your life. It doesn't mean that things aren't happening in your life. The truth is also that sometimes what you do won't matter to certain people, but it can always matter to you as long as you matter to you. And I think that's a huge deal and a big step in uncovering this lie. Is it that like what I do doesn't matter to anybody else or do I not think what I do matters because what I think can have a huge awakening on how I live my life and what I really choose to go out and do and how people receive me so that wraps up my list for now I mean like I said this list could go on and on and on 45 pages long but I don't think I could hold y'all's attention that long and I also don't know that I could hold my attention that long to record this in one sitting however I do think it would be really cool if we could make a collective list together, like if we got really introspective and honest and real with ourselves, what would be on our individual lists? And I can already think of some more that apply specifically to me. The first one, as I'm saying this, I don't know if I should share this or not, but I'm going to, is that popped in my head is I'm I'm not mad. Now, trust me, I can get mad and I can definitely acknowledge that at times. And I am often very mad when I say that I'm not mad because I don't want to be mad. I want some other emotion to be like the main emotion that's like flooding me. I don't want to care in the way that I do care. I want to care in like a better way, if that makes any sense. So yeah, that's a lie that I tell myself. And sometimes I try to convince myself of that. And doesn't again, doesn't not usually in the long run work that well. There's some repercussion there because it is what it is. I feel what I feel. I can't control my feelings. 
I can't respond to them. I cannot control them. And what I want to kind of share as I'm wrapping up, the lies we tell ourselves often lie in the space of our like superego. I talked about this in the defense mechanism episode, but the superego comes to be from like social interactions with parents and the people in whatever social environment you're raised in. It's essentially like your conscience, but it's based off of what you're taught is appropriate. And then that ends up acting like your moral compass. It's like MO is to get the ego, which is the self that people see, like who other people see you, how you present yourself to the world. So the MO of a super ego is to get that, the person you present to the world to act in this like very idealistic way. And this part is like, the summation of all your internalized values and morals that you get from things before you really have the ability to self-reflect and really be introspective and see multiple different ways of living and viewing the world. And I think these like lies we tell ourselves are lies that we're using to protect the thing that we want others to see and how we want to see ourselves as well. Like I was just saying with the, I'm not mad. I want to see myself as somebody who feels these things when this stuff happens versus, no, I just was pissed off. And I want other people to see me that way as well. We tell these lies and also these can be narratives as well. You can use that word too. These false narratives um, to maintain what it is we desire to be and look like and feel and do versus what we are. And true reconciliation is in the space between what we desire to be and what we are. Like there has to be a reconciliation between those two things for us to kind of like move out of these lies and really accept the truth of what's going on. So now I do, I want to ask y'all after listening to this, what are the lies that you tell often? Are, are they the, the ones from this list or are there more that you want to explore? And if you can think of them and feel comfortable sharing them, go ahead. You can email me, Catherine at you need therapy podcast.com. And maybe we'll do a part two with some more collective lies from our community because we're in this together and we all do this. This isn't something that like bad people do or like people that haven't done enough work do. Like I go to therapy, I've gone to therapy for years. I'm a therapist and I can still catch myself telling lies to myself. So if you want to share, share. I would love that. That's going to do it for me. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can at cat.defada. And if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow at you need therapy podcast. I hope you have the day you need to have. I hope you have the week you need to have, all of the things. And I will talk to you guys this week on Wednesday for Couch Talks. Bye. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. 
How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich men Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.